Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well. Thank good. you. Good, good. We talked, I think, a little bit yesterday about Elon Musk. Yeah. I think he uh, had a couple bucks, didn't know what to do with it, <laughs> and uh, may put out a bid, and <clears throat> it looks like they grabbed it. Where does all this money come from? That's what I was asking, and I know where it comes from, yeah. but I don't know how it gets distributed. How can we uh, get some it, of it? <laughs> we, we don't get very much of no, that. No, we need it. But, yeah. but anyway, 40-some uh, billion dollars, <clears throat> uh, Musk, uh, you know, looks like he has control of uh, Twitter. Yeah, or he and will. Yeah. He, and... Um, there's some people, of course, the thing we talked about yesterday was how many people were upset. Yeah. The people thought they were losing some of their control over this, over the message. How, how can we do it? And uh, people were very, very upset about that. But uh, I, think, I think that was that's a power struggle that's going on. I'd like to make it think it's a little fancier than that. But... Uh, now, the, the little thing that has popped up since then is uh, the EU, you know, the champions of liberty, uh, <laughs> the ones that uh, messed up with a few people who decided to come here, and now somebody's messing up with our liberty. But anyway, um, the EU is getting involved, yeah. and they, it, was, it was a pretty strong warning, you know. You live, you're in the European Union now, and you better follow the rules, and we write the laws. And... Uh, to me, that raises the question, who writes which laws and which people follow it? None of them even heard of the higher law. You ought to be just honest and above board and do what you do, you do, do what you promise to do. But that's, that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about who gets to regulate, yeah. you, you know, how, mu how much regulation will be. And, uh, and, and they, they, were, they, they had a pretty good deal there of, of regulating through the control of social media, and they still do. And the excitement, of course, yesterday, and the despair, the excitement was <laughs> that some of our side thought, well, this may be a tremendous breakthrough. And it was confirmed that that's a possibility because the people who were losing, uh, possibly losing, you know, the control over the messaging, uh, they, they weren't having a good day. They, they, they were having a bad day. Yeah. And, and now the dust is starting to settle. But there was an article that caught my attention that uh, I, I think it's, to me, it's a warning and trying to figure out the definition. This is the one that uh, Zero Hedge put out. It said, Elon Musk clarifies, and in quotes, so what does this mean? A free speech stance after EU threats. There definitely were EU threats. Yeah. You're going to obey the law or you're going to get fined. We can close you down and they can do all those kind of things. So it's not like they're false threats. Uh, and then uh, we're the this Our country is the champion of sanctions for all kinds of reasons. So the principle is out there. We, we do it for individuals and companies all around the world. Uh, so the, the use of a sanctions against this company is, is no longer a moral issue. It's strictly a political power struggle that's going on. And, uh, of course, uh, Musk responded. It raised, raised some more questions. And he says, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm still sticking to my guns. I'm for freedom of speech. And we, of course, uh, think he's on the right track and uh, who's really guilty of all the controls Twitter had before. But uh, he, 
But his answer was, I simply mean that which matches the law. Mm-hmm. Of course, we try to match the law or follow the law, uh, but, but sometimes the law is overbearing. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes, it, certainly in the United States, we don't even know who wrote the laws. Yeah. You know? And uh, I'd like to think the laws should be narrowed down to the Constitution and morality, and we'd have a lot less trouble. But now, you know, courts rule. Exec- what about COVID? Yeah. We people wanted to follow the law. Well, executive orders. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's a lot of executive orders and judges ruling one way. That very, very confusing on how to follow the law. And uh, we just hope that uh, the that the, the final ending of this story is that Twitter is uh, a company that's doing a very good job in allowing what we think is uh, you know an honest approach to free speech. It's really fascinating, and it continues to be fascinating, and this is just another part of it, the reaction to the announcement that he's buying it and that he supports uh, free speech uh, on on the platform, and he he has been disturbed over the the restraints on speech. Uh, You know, and a lot of people commented on the show yesterday saying, well, Musk is a bad guy. He got rich because of government. He got rich because he was subsidized with taxes. All that may be true, but it's also irrelevant, you know, because the point is how insane people have become, and now this includes the EU, at just the threat of having a little bit more freedom to express yourself, at just the suggestion that you have a little bit more freedom to express yourself. And what caught your attention, and you sent it over to me, is the EU Commissioner Commissioner Thierry Breton told the Financial Times, Musk is going to have to follow our rules. And he says, we welcome everyone, we're open, but on our conditions. At least we know what to tell him. Elon, there are rules. You're welcome, but these are our rules. It's not your rules which will apply here, said Breton. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think raises as many questions as, as answers. So uh, they're, they're trying to line up their ducks on, on this argument. But uh, I, I guess if you had a less shrewd person, less rich person, uh, this, this wouldn't be out there. But they're dealing, they're dealing with Musk, and we're, we're hoping that he, he's going to be on our side and really understand what freedom of speech is. And how do you handle it, though, when they crack down yeah. on him, you know, when the EU comes and cracks down? Because uh, just think how many lies are told on the Internet. I mean, how, what has Twitter done in the past? course uh, what has the government done too? Yeah. the government's uh, part, you know maybe the biggest part of the problem because they're the ones who are always uh, you, you know sanctioning and this is more or less what they're doing they're threatening uh, to sanction him I think it was a threat of fining if you don't follow our rules what, what if the rules are they you know you have to uh, uh, you have to take the position that Trump is a bum yeah. you know and and, and uh, they they have, they allow a fair and balanced approach to uh, the report of uh, uh, Hunter Biden yeah. and uh, Donald Trump. All of a sudden, you know, uh, it would be a different story. And uh, it's, uh, it's uh, it, there's a lot yet to be learned from this and who knows what will happen. But uh, evidently there's a lot of bucks on the line. Yeah. And it just shows that even someone as wealthy as him, uh, the, you know, he's subject to the, the EU. Let's put up that first clip because here's some tweets that pretty much say in a couple of sentences what we've been what we've been saying if we can do that first one this is from this is a tweet from Musk on zero hedge 
Um, but uh, anyway, he says, um, he says, the extreme antibody reaction from those who fear free speech says it all. You know, the people going crazy. Yeah. And then what he said is, by free speech, I simply mean that which matches the law. Uh, that means, you know, I look, EU, I don't have any intention of breaking your laws. Uh, you know, he says, I'm against censorship that goes beyond the law, which is what Twitter's been doing. They've been censoring way beyond what the law says. They've been censoring for content. And he says, if people want less free speech, they will ask government to pass laws to that effect. That kind of sounds like what you always say. People are going to get the kind of government they demand. And uh, then he says, um, therefore, going beyond the law is contrary to the will of the people. So, clarification there. See, sometimes the, um, the consensus of the, the people, the prevailing attitude, I look at it more, you know, philosophically. And the connection is how do you get that into the acceptance of, of the law? You know, when it's very, very basic and fundamental, thou shalt not kill, yeah. uh, most people can end up having a law and dealing with that. But uh, here it does raise a lot of uh, questions on what they pick and choose um, because it, it, it's sort of sad in a way because the, the internet is such a great in, intervention, yeah. you know, and, and I still use the, I get information off there, but I work hard, <coughs> as you do, to try to find, you know, what we think to the best of our ability, who's telling the truth, and we do know where there are truth tellers out there, that they're, they're letting us know what's really happening, but it, it's, it uh, doesn't come from the evening news, and yeah. most of our listeners would agree with that. They don't, they don't uh, sit in front, I probably watch more just to know what the enemy's thinking. Yeah, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's, that is the job, but that might be a job that uh, has lasted for a long time already and will last a long time in the future, seeking out truth. Yeah, exactly. Well, the interesting thing is that this shakeup has caused a lot of uh, a lot of uh, exposure to how Twitter operates. And if we, I don't know if we have that second clip, we can put that up. But um, Twitter's top lawyer breaks down in tears during Musk takeover meeting. And this is bizarre. You think about you go to your job, and you do maybe you're an engineer, you you write code, whatever you do. But no. She broke down in tears. Her name is Vijaya Gade, and she broke down in tears. It turns out she's the one, Dr. Paul, who's in charge of the censorship. Uh, she was a key executive in charge of, well, they call it trust and safety, uh, which means if you say something they don't like, you're canceled. But she broke down. She's terrified of what might happen. She's terrified of free speech. And here is from uh, an article in Politico about it. Gade holds one of the most controversial positions at Twitter. Her teams decide how to moderate content. That's made her a target of right-wing criticism, particularly when Twitter blocked the distribution of a New York Post article about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, in 2020. And I would say, and add to that, just a couple weeks before the election. She faced a renewed wave of criticism after multiple reports confirmed that she was behind the decision to ban Trump from Twitter. You know, they said she ended up in this negotiation with uh, Musk. Uh, they, she ended up in tears yeah. because she, she was crying about the loss of power. But you know what I think has happened for the last, at least the last two years or long, oh, no longer? Uh, she, she's probably been laughing. Yeah. Don't they know? You know, yeah, they were, they're going to obey the law, and the law says this. 
and we're the law. Yeah. We're going to do this. And I am sure that they are capable of sitting around after they've had a, a, th a drink or two yeah. and just laughing at people saying, you know, this is what justice is. Uh, you, you know, we, we won't let anybody tell about uh, scientific truth, yeah. you, you know, with COVID. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it's, it's leaking out, actually, in spite of all the power these people had, it's leaking out that there may have been some lies told about Trump. You yeah. know, and our Justice Department, the FBI, and you know, they're the, and then the, the, the big controversy is, is the FBI and these people are supposed to be the law. Yeah. So if you're going to try to find the, you know, follow the law, then how are you going to get rid of the corruption in these law enforcement agencies? And that's why I, uh, I confess that seeking out the truth and being confident about it and, uh, and, and trying to present that is, is not an easy task. And uh, this, and, and, but with, with a mechanism like the social media, uh, you know, lies can be cold, told just by withholding information. Uh, and just think of much harm. You know, there was another story today about COVID that we're not even, uh, we're pretty, uh, scientists now are confident that you could have some very bad effects from the vaccination mm. a year later. Mm. And of course, those booster shots people have been concerned about. But it isn't so much that we know all those answers, but but the scientific community wouldn't allow the debate. Yeah. And that's the way with all this, you know, that whether it's COVID or freedom of speech, uh, it's, it's a job and a half to sort it out. Yeah, I don't know how it can be trust and safety <laughs> when she has the power, and this is what she did, and we should stop and think about this. She had the power and she exercised that power to suspend the New York Post from Twitter, suspend the oldest newspaper in the United States from Twitter, for publishing an article that might be damaging to the president's, to the pre then president, not yet president, the candidate's mm -hmm. son, right? She suppressed, she interfered in an election is what she did. And that's probably why she's crying. And in fact, I guess we don't have our clips, but, but Elon Musk himself yesterday responded to this. He said, suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate. Boy, that's, that's, <clears throat> that's, that's, that's for says sure. it all. I mean, she should get a pink slip for, uh, for that just alone. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see where she'll be in a, in a year from now or six, even six months from now. Yeah. So what will, uh, what will Musk do with somebody like that? I mean, how, how could you ever be able to keep her on the staff? How could you trust? Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> the whole thing. So, uh, well, maybe there'll be some job openings. We can do a little uh, <laughs> moonlighting over there. We I could mean. make some recommendations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not much into that traveling business. <laughs> so, uh, wanted to go yeah, on to Wimbledon. On to Wimbledon. You know, there they go, rooting my theories. Yeah. Play sports, yeah. play games. Republicans played Democrats in baseball, and we all got along quite well, and it lasted longer than the game. Yeah. And, uh, and here, here we go, Wimbledon. Uh, but this is an argument of, on, once again, the definition of a word, discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, the people at Wimbledon say, this is not discrimination. The uh, decision to discriminate against Russian players, they can't play, yeah. but that's not discrimination. Yeah. I don't know what the words they were, it's, but they said it's not discrimination. I would say that, uh, you know, it is a discrimination and it's part of a bigger battle going on. And uh, of course, 
course, this existed all the way back uh, when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan, uh, you know, way back when uh, uh, Carter was president. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, we've got to punish the, punish the athletes. And, yeah. uh, no, you want to have more athletic competition. That, uh, that competition is that much better. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, this explicitly singles out people because of their country of origin. If you are Russian, you cannot play in Wimbledon. That's exactly what they said. That's what they ruled. It is by definition not only discrimination but racism. You're of the Russian race. You cannot play in Wimbledon. And, of course, the head of the All England Club, which is the one who puts on the event, they said, oh, it's not discrimination. Uh, it's, uh, it's something else. The rationale for banning Russians is that if a Russian, you know, the world's number one, I think, is, is, is Russian. Now Medvedev, they said, if a Russian plays and wins, it'll be a victory for Putin's propaganda machine. Therefore, all Russians are banned from Wimbledon. It's discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this goes all the way back to 1936. You know, at the I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, were, they were doing the same thing there. And, and uh, I think some good came out of it. Yeah. Because it actually uh, allowed blacks to participate in and did quite well. Yeah. You know, that's what they were afraid of. And also, we remember now, that's, that, that lives in infamy, that Olympics, because Hitler tried to do just that. He tried to use it for his political purposes. And rather than say, well, that Hitler, he was pretty great. He did good at the Olympics. No, we look back on that as a period of shame, of, of disgust. Yeah. So if Putin did try to do that, it probably would have a similar effect. But no, they can't risk it. Yeah. So, okay. On uh, to China. We've got, we're China, traveling the world today. This, this is something that uh, if I see something on China, I usually am very interested in what's going on. Because I think there's more, more danger there than is being expressed, even in the, uh, you, you know, the social media and the government and everything else. But um, and I, I guess China's been high on my list too because of uh, me remembering very well uh, individuals who were redrafted after World War II to go go back to uh, Korea and uh, the Chinese uh, fighting and killing an Americans, and it goes on and on. And so the end of the Cold War, I thought was just great. And uh, the, a lot of the good predictions came about, except there was a sort of an embarrassment to some Americans that uh, China started producing goods, but because their labor costs were down, it was defined as absolute, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, slavery. Yeah. Well. Um, that, that can be up debates. I don't think that's exactly the way all slavery works. But they, they were out producing us, out selling us, and the only thing that we could export were paper money dollar, paper dollars. And uh, all of a sudden, the Chinese started saving this stuff, and uh, it became a threat. They're an economic threat, yeah. you, you know. And uh, but but now they're protecting their borders too, and they've been uh, in the South China Sea and. And they they have a complex argument about Taiwan, and uh, I, I I I can have opinion. You can have an opinion, but it's probably not going to be up to the two of us on yeah. what's going to happen there. But uh, the people <coughs> in Taiwan and China probably should uh, deal with that. But <coughs> the reason why I wanted to bring this up is um, I write China tracks the U.S. destroyer through Taiwan. This is the fourth time. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Yeah. I mean, it makes no sense. Oh, it's for our national security. 
I said, well, I think this is, this is crazy. I mean, it's uh, undermine our national. I feel less secure by somebody now possibly blowing up one of those destroyers. Yeah. But to, to send it, to me, it's equivalent uh, to uh, uh, bringing them up to Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. And, and so that, uh, the, the China, uh, that, uh, uh, that they, can, they can invade our territory. But we're over there in their, in their face. I don't see there's I don't think there's any benefit for national defense purposes. I think it's a detriment and I think that's how we've gotten involved so much. But some of that what I just said may well apply to Ukraine too. Yeah. By getting involved when it doesn't need to. Well that's the thing I was thinking. It's not enough to be over there provoking a nuclear war with Ukraine. We've got to be down in the South China Sea sailing our warships right through the straits of Taiwan and provoking the Chinese. They really do want a, a two front war, don't they? It's just amazing, but yeah, we sailed through the uh, the U.S. sailed through the Taiwan Strait. The uh, the Chinese were angry. They f they followed suit. They followed the uh, the uh, the carrier group out of fury. But here's something else on the same topic, <coughs> Dr. Paul, that I noticed yesterday. There's this big deal about the Solomon Islands. You and I both had to look them up on the map. To be honest, I'll be honest. Uh, and there are a couple little specks over there in in uh, in Asia, uh, little islands. Well, the, the, the back story is that they made an agreement with China. They, you know, they want to be friendly with China, their neighbor, their big neighbor next door. Well, here's from the Independent. Of course, we don't have the clip, but here's the headline that grabbed my attention. U.S. threatens military action if China sets up a Solomon Islands base. If China sets a base outside of its territory, the U.S. is literally going to go to war and attack. Don't we have a couple bases outside? Yeah, but you don't understand. <laughs> the Solomon Islands getting pretty close to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. They're going to invade Hawaii here <laughs> yeah. next month you know, from the Solomon. Yeah. Oh. Amazing. But guess what? There's profits in, involved in this. And yeah. I know that because maybe somebody will look back and maybe somebody will damage one of those destroyers. Well, we need a bigger and better one that isn't going to be easily damaged and faster and constantly Re rebuilding and building new ones and uh, it's, it's just amazing that uh, the system works as long as it does but there's a lot of payments that we that people don't recognize there's a lot of poor people in the world but to, taking that and showing the excesses of government being involved in war and saying that's why uh, Joe Jones on there doesn't have a job and he's living out on the street and you know the connecting it isn't that simple but uh, there is always a cost, there's always a payment, and this is why I'm arguing the case that things are going to get much, much worse because bills are always paid, the debt has to be liquidated, and you can see it already starting that the need for liquidation is uh, half of the, half of, well, the, half of the people that got student loans, oh, they're going to get free. The people who decided that they at least paid their loan back, they're not going to get it, but it's going to be liquidation of debt and they have to liquidate it through inflation, and that means that, that there's going to be more poor people. But the shipbuilding will go on, and we have to keep the antagonism going out there. And it's such a waste. And when, when you think of it, just even, even this century so far, uh, you know, these 22 years, uh, you know, it's, it's not quite the killing of World War II and World War I, but it, it is setting the, st setting the stage, I think, for a payment of debt and interference that is going to be much bigger than what we had to deal with before. Yeah. Well, the last thing we want to talk about just for a second here is Senator Paul, 
big trouble. Uh, the, if you look at the headlines, you would, you would think that maybe he signed up for the Russian army and he's flying a bomber or something. You know, uh, ridiculous. Rand Paul's comments on Russia's invasion of Ukraine blasted as echoing Putin's propaganda. Sounds terrible. I went and I looked at the quote. He had Blinken before the committee and he asked him a question. Now, this is straight out of Putin's talking points. Here's what he said. Knowing full well that Ukraine was unlikely to ever join NATO since it had already been 14 years since they said they wanted to become members, why was it so important last fall before this invasion to continue agitating for Ukraine's admission to NATO? Excellent question. Why did you guys do it? Why did you keep pushing this when you knew it wasn't going to happen and you knew and we know that they know because of the uh, of WikiLeaks, which declassified uh, CIA, then CIA uh, director saying that this is going to provoke it. Knowing what you know, why did you do this? And of course, it's a very good question. But instead of answering it, what happens? You're Putin's apologist. That's right. They, that, that proves they don't have the right answer. They demagogue it, and uh, they avoid it completely. And, uh, of course, I watched a little bit of that uh, by the news clips on this, and it was, it was pretty vicious, you know. I, I didn't enjoy watching it, uh, although I think, I think Rand can handle it. <laughs> He's used <laughs> it, to it. You know, he, he had to stand alone on uh, challenging Fauci for, for a few months or a few years, and I think he's been proven right on that. But, you know, it, it's, it's to me is so sad that uh, th- this happens that, uh, that uh, they, they, they turn it into something. And, you know, I suggested to you earlier on, I said, uh, you know, there's some history they're arguing about, too, because uh, I, I think uh, they bring it up that ran, maybe not at the hearing, but he, he mentions there's history involved about the relationship, say, of Russia and, and Crimea. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe there's some history the uh, United States has with Guantanamo or something like that. <laughs> but no, they they do this. They bring this up, and uh, he. he uh, my suggestion is is why why is why do they? Well, I know why they do it. They go into demagoguing and saying it's all Rand's fault. But uh, <clears throat> why don't they go ahead and say what did he say? To imply that he's uh, he's speaking for Russia, and that Russia believes such and such. Why don't we on, on some of it? You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, the Russian connection to Crimea, and 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 why most of the people we're talking about in Crimea were Russians, and it's a, it's a long history. Why why can't we have a bigger? It, it would be a great debate if people were serious about this, but they don't want the debate. They they want the war. And, uh, yeah. of course, just the Crimea wasn't enough. They kept marching the troops, and they keep moving closer and defying all the implied promises that were made by the West in the United States, you know, after the uh, Cold War ended. Oh, we're not. We have no intention of moving eastward and getting on the borders of Russia. And uh, it, that, that process continues. Yeah. And I love it when they say he's speaking from Putin's playbook. Where is this playbook? I'd like to take a look at it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't exist because they're liars and they lie about it. If there's something they don't like, they say it's Putin's playbook. You know, and here's, here's what Blinken's reaction to this very serious question, a very worthwhile question. You know, and everyone who, who nobody, I don't, well, except for a few people who like war, most people don't. Um, but why, knowing you could have done something to avoid the war, why wouldn't you have done it? 
And so here's what Blinken's response to, to Senator Paul was. Well, that doesn't give Russia the right to attack. And Senator Paul says, well, no one's saying it does. I mean, I'm not in favor of the attack. I don't think it's a good thing. But if you could have avoided knowing that Ukraine was never going to be in NATO anyway, why wouldn't you have just said, you know what, we're going to put that on the back burner for a while to avoid a war? They don't want to talk about that. Instead, they want to condemn an attack. He refused to really address it. Yeah, he did. did. He's just ducked out. What what a shame. Well, hopefully someday he'll have to pay for this. (laughs) Right. Uh, But I just want to thank our viewers again. Uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed. We're, we're moving up. Uh, hit the like. Uh, go to ronpaulinstitute.org and have a look at the conference we've got set up for Houston. We've only got a few tickets left. We're going to have to try to see if we can get some, some extra seats, uh, some extra space there. Uh, just, a f- just a handful of tickets left, and we're still over a month away. So snap those up if you're interested. It's going to be a great event. Scott Ritter, Dr. Paul, myself, and several other guests, speakers to be announced. Uh, so... Hope to see you there. Very good. I want to thank everybody once again for the support you give us by watching our program and encouraging us. Because uh, if there were no audience, uh, we, we, we would still talk to ourselves. I talked a lot of years <laughs> to a few people. I recall, you know, before I think I went to Congress or when I first went, I'd be invited to small groups of, of liberty-leaning individuals on college campuses, and uh, I'd get 15 people out, and people say, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm sort of taking care of my anxieties, getting it off my chest. I can at least talk to people. And without a lot of expectation, I never thought, oh, you know, I'm going to change the world. And I still have that same attitude. I'd like to contribute to a, a change. So after, after that, and the presidential races came up and I got involved uh, by a lot of encouragement, uh, but not with the idea that, uh, you know, I'm going to have all the answers. But I was, I was so amazed the difference between what happened several decades ago at a few people, and a lot of them ended up uh, being in the campaigns and in the congressional office. So even a little bit here, one portion at a time, change people's mind one at a time, makes a difference. Now I'm delighted when I get on a lot of blogs and radio programs and interviews <coughs> and <coughs> excuse me, and find out the people that got involved many years ago have programs themselves. Nobody knows how the message spreads. It's, uh, it's sort of invisible. It spreads, and I think that is still operating, even without the full benefit of a uh, favorable uh, Internet and uh, social media. So once again, I want to thank everybody for being with us today, and please return to the Liberty Report soon.